this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul, for the invitation. And uh, it's lovely to be with you again. I'm looking forward when I can be in person and see you all. But meanwhile, we'll just, uh, this is the second best, as it were. Uh, Paul mentioned that we had just returned home from Thailand. We'd been there for three months to support a couple, John and Gillian. And some of you may remember that Daphne had gone several times in the past taking teams to Thailand. Well, John and Gillian were home here on furlough and they wanted uh, somebody to go and uh, stand in their place for those months that we could support and help the work there. So that was a privilege for us to go and to serve there. And so we're back now with you. And uh, I just value and thank you for all of you who prayed and thought of us while we were there. And I'm sure you did, many of you. And those prayers were answered. God is good and God is faithful. He's loving and he watches over his people. And I want to thank you for your prayers and God's goodness to us. As I thought about this service this morning, it's a very special service in that it's a dedication service, a, a dedication of a little one to the Lord. And I just wanted to talk a little while about the importance of uh, this dedication service. As I thought about it, I thought about my own childhood. Uh, because as a baby, my parents would have taken me to church. I don't know, probably uh, a, a couple of weeks old. Normally it was the the first Sunday that you attended church with the baby, the baby was dedicated. I'm, I don't know if that was exactly the case in my case, but being dedicated to the Lord, I, I grew up uh, in a Christian home where my parents were committed to God. They, they loved God. They wanted to serve and to follow the Lord. In our home, church was a weekly event. Uh, Sunday was a day where we honoured the Lord. I didn't always fully understand what that meant as a child. I meant that I couldn't buy, it meant that I couldn't buy ice creams, I remember that, and it meant that I couldn't play with my friends. I remember we would go to church morning and evening and attend a Sunday school in an afternoon and that routine went on year after year after year. I remember that grace was always said uh, before a meal, I remember my mother reading me Bible stories uh, and, and praying for me. God was then a daily event in our lives. It wasn't just somebody we thought about now and again. God was important to us as a family. My parents, they weren't strict or religious, really, what I can remember growing up as a child, but I did remember that I grew up knowing the difference between right and wrong. When I say that, I mean, according to God's word, um, I knew what God wanted me to do and what he didn't want me to do. It wasn't simply, oh, you can or can't do this. It was whether God was pleased with me if I did something or I didn't do something. I knew without a doubt that my, my, my parents loved me. Not, not because of what they said. They didn't tell me all the time, I love you, I love you, but because they demonstrated it in the way that they lived their lives. I could read love 
And children can, children know if they're loved. They, it, it, they don't have to be told it all the time. It's nice to be told it, I'm not saying don't, but you read love in many other ways. As I look back, I realize that um, children learn a lot through what they see and what they experience. Maybe we learn more through what we see and experience than actually what we're told. Being a school teacher for some years, I was told that children learn more in the playground than they do in the classroom. Well, some of that might be true. Some of the experiences of life, that's true. I learned so much from my parents' example in my life. Their example taught me, I believe, what God the Father is like because they were mother and father to me. God is your mother and your father. And I believe overall they did a good job. They really showed what God was like. Back on their lives, I see now many things. I see how they were faithful faithful first to each other and then faithful to God. Of course, you don't think of these things as a child. You just, you see it. And then, of course, later in life, you say, no, they were faithful. They were really faithful to one another. It wasn't always easy. There were struggles and different things to cope with, but they remained faithful. They were strong. We weren't rich, we struggled with many things. There was a lot of different things that came against us, but my parents were strong. They were hardworking. And I think that they taught us as boys to be hardworking. They endured hardship and they loved us. Thinking of my father, I thought how kind my father was and not harsh. I can never remember my father complaining particularly. Although he was treated, I know, on several occasions quite unfairly by the, the, the employers where he worked, he never became bitter. He didn't moan and groan about things. Another thing that my father, it strikes me about him, is he never drank, ever. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong to drink. I'm, I'm not going there. I said, Dad, why don't you drink? And he said simply, with a smile on his face, I don't like the taste of it. I thought, that's great. So my father wasn't judgmental at all. He was honest, straightforward. And I never heard him once use any bad language. I never heard him curse ever. I never heard him say bad things at all. In fact, as I look back now as a grown-up, I'm sure there are one or two things that I might have forgotten, but I'm very proud of my father and his example to me in life. Now, I don't want to put the impression that he was, uh, he was perfect. I'm sure he wasn't, and I'm sure my mother and father hid things from me. But what I saw, the goodness in him, completely outshone any bad that was there. You see, it's in the home we live our lives. It's not in the public arena where we're always truthful. We're truthful in the home. So I'm judging my father's life of what I saw in the home. As I thought about these things and my own childhood and my own parents, 
I started to ponder the scriptures that encourage us to live our lives as an example before others, because that's what parents do. They live a life of example. It's not always what they say, it is the way they live their lives. In fact, it's true to say that our example will always speak louder than our words. Words sometimes come cheap, they're easy to, to articulate things because our actions sometimes don't live up to our words. So our, our actions are far more important than things that we say you know whenever he sent his disciples out he said to them it was never good enough to simply preach the message of the kingdom they had to demonstrate it so it's important that if we're going to share the gospel speak to others about our faith our christianity that we demonstrate it and of course the primary way that we demonstrate it is we demonstrate it through love, but of course there's more powerful ways to demonstrate it as well. And of course Jesus had the ability to demonstrate his love in a very powerful way. One verse in Mark 1 and 39 says this, so he, speaking of Jesus, he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Deliverance was then a demonstration of God's love for his people. He didn't want to see them in pain or tormented or upset or struggling. So Jesus demonstrated the kingdom. Everywhere he went, he demonstrated the kingdom. And then he gave his disciples and apostles those same instructions. It says in Mark 6 and 12, it says they, that's the 12 apostles, they went out and they preached that people should repent. That means turn in their attitude to God. If they're opposed to God, they need to start listening and, and paying attention to what God wants and, and to follow him. It says they drove out many demons and they anointed many sick people with, with oil and they healed them. See, in the same way, this healing was a demonstration of the love of God. God's love must always be demonstrated. Even before we preach it, it must be demonstrated. We have an expression, don't we, in the English language, actions speak louder than words. And of course, they do. Jesus knew this, and of course, we know it. Another example uh, that I found regarding uh, the expression of this love and the way that the disciples and Jesus uh, did it. Remember when he sent the 70, or it says in some scriptures 72, he sent them out. And he, Jesus said this to them. These are my words. These aren't the scripture's words, but we'll come to what the scripture has said. Jesus said, if you expect the people to listen to you, you must first, you must first demonstrate God's love for them. Let me read these verses then that are penned there in the scriptures in Luke 10 verses 8 and 9. It says this, it says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. You say, well, what's that for in scripture? Well, I think it's a demonstration of the grace and the gratitude of God. 
He said, first seek to build a relationship with people. What finer way to build relationship than over a meal, eating together, talking together, sharing together. So he says, when you go out disciples and you enter a town, first seek to build relationship. If people want nothing to do with you, then you'll just have to move on, but seek to build relationship first. Then he goes on to say, then heal the sick who are there. So in this relationship, entering into people's homes, eating food, if there are sick people in the home, heal the sick, heal the sick. A further demonstration of the character of the God in whom they served, the God they represented. This God is not only a God who seeks relationship, but it's a God who wants to minister health, a God who loves you. And finally, he says, tell them, after you've done all this, tell them that the kingdom of God is near you. So first, we build relationships with people. Then we serve the people. And then finally, we give them the message that God has given us to share with people, demonstrating the love of God in you before you preach the love of God. People should experience through us, through us, the love of God, or at the very least, they should see the love of God in action. We can't minister to everyone's life, but by looking at the church, at Christians, at you, at me, people should see the love of God in action. And then hear what God has to say. Hear the message of God's love for the world. Just direct you this morning, because we have time, to a couple more scriptures that, that point to this very point that I'm making this morning. I want to turn you first to Matthew 5, 13 and 16. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. I'll read it to you. It says that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Then he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Two uh, parables there, one of salt and the other of, of light. Salt, salt is usually in plentiful supply. It's, it's not a very expensive commodity. It's simply dug, as it were, as a raw material out of the ground. But we know that in many ways, it's essential to life. Without it, we can die. In the same way, God's love is in plentiful supply. And it's essential that people experience and know the love of God in their life. And secondly, just as salt brings out the flavor 
that we have in food. Some food is, I mean, no, we perhaps over salt things a little bit and we over sugar things a little bit and, and that hasn't done us any good. But often you eat a food without salt and it has very little taste. We put a little bit of salt on something and it just brings the flavor out. So God's love, it brings joy. It brings color into people's lives. Even those that don't honor the Lord Jesus Christ, his love shed abroad from our hearts into their lives. It brings color and joy into people's lives. Jesus goes on to say that you are the light of the world. Well, we know clearly that he is the light of the world, but this scripture says, no, you, you are the light of the world. A light never says anything, does it? It's silent, but it's wonderful in that it shows people the way, the way that people should go. It never says anything, but it shows the way. You know, often we don't realize that people are looking at us. Yes, they're listening to what we say, but they're looking at our lives. They're looking to see how we'll react in certain circumstances. When the pressure comes on, when things are difficult, people are looking to see how you will react in those situations. Our responsibility is to show them through our example, not necessarily to preach or to tell them, but to live our lives so they can see the example that we can give as Christ lives in us and through us. If I might just uh, for a few moments, I'd like to return you to uh, thoughts about my father, a story from his life. When the war broke out, the Second World War broke out, my father was in his 20s. He was living in London and he was working in an engineering company. His conviction was that he didn't want to take up arms to kill. He wanted to play his part, as it were, uh, to defend the country and to do what was necessary to support the, the war effort. But he, he felt it, it, he didn't have the freedom to, to take up arms and to kill. In the factory where he worked, the people didn't uh, take too kindly to this. And they did something quite cruel to him. We call it sending someone to Coventry. It's when you don't talk to someone, you just give them the silent treatment. Well, for weeks and some months, my father, no one would speak to him. No one would have anything to do with him. And he knew that in time he would be asked to leave. They couldn't just do it straight away because that wouldn't have been right. Eventually, they asked him to leave the company. Little did he know that there was a lady who worked for that company who came up to him on the day that he left and she said, she said, I'm, I'm really proud of what you've done. You haven't said anything. You haven't become bitter or angry or resentful or retaliated. It's because I know that you're a Christian and your conviction is true. She said, I've watched you every day in what the people have said and done. And I'm convinced that God is in your life. You see, my father didn't know that. He just lived a life 
that was an example to others. He was different. He didn't react like others would have reacted. My father was not a coward. I know that. And I would hate anyone to think that for one minute. He was a very brave and a courageous man. We then are the lights in this world. We are lights. You, it says, you are the light of the world. In other words, when you shine, people look at what you're showing forth, what you're shining, what you're lighting up. It goes on to say, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, you see. It's not that they might hear what you say. It's important what we say. Of course it is. But first they might see your good deeds. And the results of people seeing them, it says, they will praise the Father in heaven. Good living will always result in people praising God, even praising a God they don't even believe in or know or understand. Your good living will bring joy and praise to their lips. My final point I want to bring this morning about living the life is from a, a passage of scripture, John 13 and 35. It says this in that verse, by this, all men, all men, I love, I love how the scriptures are so inclusive. All men will know that you are my disciples. How will they know? That we love one another. He says, if you love one another, men and women will know that you follow me. What's the proof of our discipleship? What's, what's the proof that we know God? What is the proof that we're born from above, born by God, born again? It's not what we say. Oh, yes, what we say is important. We are to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth certain things about what we believe about Jesus. But that's not proof. Proof is what people can see with their eyes. Proof is how we live our lives consistently, not just when we're seen in public or on Sundays, but day after day after day. Proof is how we live our lives daily, hour by hour, walking in the love of God. Not only in public, but especially in the home, when the door is shut, when no one can see our actions, it's important we're still walking in the love of God. And especially how we live our lives in front of those that we are responsible for. My wife, my children. We live our lives before God. And the way that we live our life is the proof of our discipleship and our relationship with the living God. May God bless you with this message and uh, just comfort and encourage you and bless you as you seek to serve him and live for him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.